Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 23 called Anna Victoria. So Anna Victoria is a health and fitness professional who since 2015 has been helping people achieve their fitness goals and also improve their mental, emotional, and physical health. She's got a fit body guide and this great fit body app that you can find at AnnaVictoria.com or on her Instagram, which is at AnnaVictoria, where she has 1.2 million followers. She is a great person. She's got a really magnetic personality, as you'll see. And I found out about her by watching her YouTube videos where she chronicles her infertility journey with her husband, Luca, and their dog, who's named Rigatoni. So they're in the midst of it right now, and I'm going to let you guys hear it from her in her own words. Without further ado, this is Anna Victoria's infertility story. So you may have started hearing about this new company called Uva. While dealing with her own infertility journey, my friend and PhD, Amy Devarania, was so frustrated with the tools available to her that she literally took matters into her own hands. Amy's a brilliant scientist, and she developed the first at-home test that measures both LH and progesterone. It's different from any other test on the market, and honestly, this product is going to be a game changer for women. I met with Amy recently, and she showed me how the at-home test works. It's super cool, it's really advanced, and I immediately thought, ugh, I wish this product was on the market when I was going through all of my infertility stuff. But lucky for you guys, it's launching this fall. So to find out more about Uva and be the first to know about updates, check out www.uva.life. That's www.oova.life. Developed in partnership with Mount Sinai Hospital by career scientists and engineers, Uva is the smarter way to conceive. Hi, Anna. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Good. It's so good to talk to you. I've been watching your videos on YouTube and I've been following your Instagram for a while now. And the reason that I really wanted to talk to you for the podcast is because you are, and you just said it before we started recording, but you are pretty much an open book about what you've been going through with infertility, your struggles with you and your husband, Luca. And it's been really inspiring. And I think that you've already helped a, a lot of people. And I wanted to get you on here to reach our listeners as well, because I think it's so important. So thank you for everything that you've done so far. And thank you for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to, to talk. Tell me how you met your husband. You guys met in Rome. Is that correct? Yeah. So it's kind of a long story. I'll give you the short version. Okay. I studied abroad in Rome in uh, summer of 2011. And I had a friend that I went to University of San Diego and she told me, Hey, I have a friend in Rome. You should meet when you're there. And it wasn't my husband. It was his best friend. Oh, Pretty much, we met up for an aperitivo. He brought Luca along. Luca barely spoke any English at the time, but I didn't know because he was laughing at like all of my jokes. And I thought, oh, he thinks I'm funny. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so pretty much we met in Rome. I was not looking to meet anyone at all. I had actually just ended a a long-term and long-distance relationship. So I was like, you know, living up my life, studying abroad. Mm -hmm. And we met. And the funny thing is that Luca was planning on moving to San Diego six months after we met anyways. Mm. So since we hit it off, we just ended up doing long distance for six months. 
then he moved to San Diego and the rest is history. Wow. And you guys have, how long ago was this? You've been together for how long? Yeah. Eight years. So that was uh, June, 2011 that we met. Okay. And how far into your relationship did you guys start talking about having a family? Oh gosh, probably day one. (laughs) Really? (laughs) From his side. Yes. He has always been very vocal about wanting a family. And to be honest, like when we met, we kind of knew, you know, like when you know, you know that it's that person. And we talked about like, you know, having kids and a family pretty early on in our relationship. I would say that it definitely was never like a let's plan when we're having children, but it was always like a one day type. Mm-hmm. So you knew that you would at some point. Yes. And absolutely. you you grew up as one of seven. Is that right? Yes. I'm number six of seven. Oh my gosh. So what was that like growing up with all those siblings? That must've been oh, the best kind of chaos ever. Yes, absolutely. Best way to put it. And it's great because now we're all friends and like so close and So yeah, definitely very chaotic, but I just absolutely loved it. And because I grew up with so many siblings and there are four girls and three boys, um, I always grew up thinking like, I want two boys and two girls. Like I think it's great for a girl to have a brother and a brother to have a sister and like sister out of sister, et cetera, you know, like just to have, you know, all those relationships and friendships and to learn from each other. And so I definitely grew up, you know, dreaming of the perfect, you know, four children, (laughs) you know, eventually. Okay. So jumping forward a little bit, what happened when you guys started to try? Yeah. So we, we actually originally said that we were going to start trying one year after we got married. So our first wedding anniversary, but we were just beginning to develop my, the fit body app, which is my workout app. And we, knew that it wasn't really the right time. It was really, you know, stressful and intense time. So we decided to put it off. What ended up happening is that we started trying the month that the app launched, which was like not the right plan (laughs) because, (laughs) you know, honestly, that was December, 2017. And that was my first, um, well, November, 2017 was my first month off birth control. So December was first month of like, okay, let's kind of try, but I feel like we never, ever, you know, did the baby dance that month just because we were so busy and stressed. So mm-hmm. we say that January was January 2018 was the, the month that we actually started trying. So so pretty much uh, started trying and six months passed and I went to see my OB and I told him like, hey, you know, been trying for six months and his reaction was you're so young, you have so much time, there's you're healthy as far as I can see. Um, you know, it'll take on average up to a year for healthy couples. So I kind of like took that and I was like, "Mm, okay, like, (laughs) sure. Like I just really never thought that it would take longer than like three months, to be honest. Like I just definitely had it in my head, this like, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what to call it. Just a very unrealistic expectation. Mm -hmm. of. And wasn't it too that you had said, that your mom had so many kids so easily that you were like, oh, that's going to happen to me too. You know, you, you had never known anybody in your family or anything who had any issues. Right. And my sister, the oldest girl of all the siblings, she has two children, two girls, and she got pregnant with each of them like pretty much the month before they were officially going to start trying. So knowing that she also had no problems conceiving, I just thought that, you know, it would be the same for me. So I will say though that I have since then learned that my grandma 
did suffer from multiple miscarriages. Wow. Um, You're not the first person who said that on this podcast, actually. The grandmas don't talk about that. They didn't talk about that back in the day. Right. Right. And so, um, my grandma had, I I don't know the exact number, but it's something like eight miscarriages in between my mom and and her siblings. Like there's like a 10 year gap in between them for that reason. Um, so yeah. Wow. So how did you feel when you heard that news? Um, I was very interested. I feel like, you know, I, I've always loved learning about like my family history, medical history. So I just wanted to, you know, find out if whatever the condition that she had was, is if that could be what's affecting me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't really have a, a final answer, but you know, it's mm-hmm. still just been interesting to find out about it. Okay. So you and Luca had posted this really adorable video as well. Like I said, you've been kind of chronicling this all along when you guys went to your first appointment at the fertility clinic. And I believe it was, was it November, 2018? November. Yes. Okay. So tell me about that day and how you were feeling going into this appointment and what happened. I was honestly really excited. I feel like I've talked to many women who they end up they kind of put off going in because they don't want to be told that something is wrong Mm. and which is a completely understandable feeling. Um, but for me, I like, I like to research things and to find out like what's going on, like, and to lay out like a, a game plan of, you know, (laughs) how to proceed. I was really excited and I felt like it was just one step closer to figuring out what's going on. So, um, I think Luca, he's the nervous one (laughs) of the couple and he's really like emotional about it and, you know, has a little bit harder time with his feelings on it. Um, when I, you know, was going through the time period of deciding whether I wanted to discuss it publicly, he was the one that, I needed to wait for to be ready to discuss it, you know? So there were like probably three different months that it was like, okay, like, how do you feel? Should we talk about it this month? And it was still like, oh no, not yet. You know, I think that he probably was also really holding out for just for there to just be a pregnancy announcement, you know? And I think that after multiple months of it not happening, he was like, okay, like, yeah, you know, like we need to talk about it. He also understood how much good it would do for my community, you know, mm-hmm. and for just women to know that they're not alone. And so I think that that was a big part of him being like, okay, you know. Yeah. And I think it's important to note too, that your whole thing, you know, on your website and your app and all this stuff is you're really passionate about helping women change their lives in many different ways, you know, nutrition and fitness, obviously that's kind of your main thing, but this all folds into that as well, right? So was it kind of a natural next step for you to bring this out into the public or were you nervous at all to share it with people? I mean, I definitely was nervous. I think that I was just more sad that it was going to be an announcement of, hey, I'm struggling with infertility instead of, hey, I'm pregnant, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that it was really, it definitely was hard for me to have to swallow that pill and realize that that I wasn't going to just be one of those that has such a happy announcement, you know, and especially when I'm seeing those happy announcements everywhere. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it it wasn't easy, but at the end of the day, I knew that it would help people. And and for me, that's what trumps my, you know, any reservations that I have about sharing. 
Right. So what happened after you guys went to that first appointment at the fertility clinic? What did they say and what did you guys do next? Yeah. So they told me that, and this is it like rings in my ears, everything is perfect. <laughs> There's perfect. nothing wrong. Yeah. And, and that's almost more frustrating than right. getting a diagnosis because you're like, all right, well, what does that mean? What do I do? And there's literally nothing that they can do. And that's such so, a good point. I'm glad you said that. Cause yeah, when you can't find a diagnosis, it's frustrating. Right. Yeah. Cause it's just one big question mark. And so it's kind of led me to going on my own little fact finding mission of like, well, what, where is that missing key? What is going on? <clears throat> so they told me that everything was perfect. The only thing is that my, um, I have hypothyroidism. And so they did put me on Synthroid for that, which is another thing that I found out my grandma is on as well. And she's been on it for 40 years. So it's another interesting correlation. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, um, so pretty much, yeah, they just told me that everything looks great and they scheduled me for my first IUI. Okay. So entry examination. Yeah. Um, and that it actually was the day after Christmas. We had to fly home at like six in the morning after Christmas, mm-hmm. uh, and do the IUI. And <clears throat> at this point I still was not telling my family or anyone. So mm-hmm all of this was kind of very on the DL and under wraps. Um, that one didn't work. And then these, we did another one right away uh, at the end of January. That one also didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when we kind of decided to take a break from everything. I, um, Luca had a really hard time seeing me go through you know, injections and even though it was only an IUI, so it's just a trigger shot, but still taking, you know, letrozole and the progesterone suppositories and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it just, it all started to become a bit much, you yeah. know, and it was taking away from the point of why we want to start a family to begin with, you know, and we just wanted to take a step back and just enjoy being married, you know, just kind of take a chill pill, you know, and if we didn't conceive by this July, we were going to start IVF and we haven't conceived. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we are preparing um, to begin IVF. Okay. So you haven't gotten to the IVF point yet, but it's, it's happening or you are doing it now. So I actually was supposed to do it um, in July, the end of July, mm-hmm. but I, they did, um, blood work to test me for various, you know, gene mutations. And I came back positive for one. It's called Gaucher's disease. And they literally called me two days before I was supposed to start injections. And they said, Hey, we need to put everything on hold. And so pretty much the cycle got canceled Mm. and they had to test Luca's blood work. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little frustrated about why they wouldn't have just tested him the same time as me. If it's, they estimate that each person has two to three genetic mutations. Mm -hmm. So why not just test him at the same time? You know? So one thing that I do love about, you know, sharing this journey on Instagram is there are professionals that reply to my stories and tell me, well, this is why, you know, so I have, you know, heard that, well, it's not standard protocol because it's expensive and this and that. So I understand the reasoning why, but you know. Right. I love that your, your followers are giving you like great feedback. Oh yeah. Honestly, it's amazing. And I love hearing everyone's stories. Mm -hmm. I definitely think I underestimated Mm -hmm. how many women struggle because I get hundreds of DMs a week. I know. Isn't it wild? 
It really is. And it just has proven to me how widespread, you know, infertility really is. And it's right. so more common than, than I ever expected. Right. I want to backtrack a little bit and just talk about going through, you mentioned all the injections and the drugs and you had posted, I'm not sure exactly where in your timeline, but about how you had gained some weight and felt bloated and all that. And again, you were really open about what you're going through and you've always had body positivity. And I love that. So tell me about that aspect of going through this, like physically, what was it doing to you and how did it make you feel? Yeah. So I was told to pretty much lower my, the intensity of my workouts and to start eating more. And, you know, it's interesting because I don't have a very low body fat. Like it's not at such a low point where I have ever lost my period. That's never happened. Mm -hmm. Um, but because I, I was working out, you know, high intensity workouts five days a week and in a caloric deficit, it was more like, well, let's, why not try it? And, and I was completely on board. If all I need to do is gain a few pounds, have a baby, I'm all for it. Obviously also knowing that once I have a baby, going to gain quite a bit more than just a few pounds, you know? Right. So, and I'm totally okay with that. I actually think pregnant women are gorgeous mm-hmm. and I'm really excited for that part. So anyways, so I did lessen my workouts and then I started eating more and then adding on top of that, all the hormones and the, the injections and everything. So I did gain weight and I'm not going to lie. Like it was hard as, as much as I, I, I absolutely believe in loving your body at any size. And I do that doesn't mean that that little voice in our head doesn't pop up sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's, I've had to, you know, really remind myself why I'm, I'm gaining weight and, you know, why I'm on this journey and that it's okay. And I I am very lucky in that I, I have always felt you know, confident even before I started my fitness journey, you know, I didn't have a problem with how I looked, but I do think that when you're gaining weight as a result of your fitness journey, every time that you look in the mirror and notice that weight gain, it's a reminder of what you're struggling with. You know, it, it just, it kind of, you know, is like, you know, the knife just gets turned a little more each time that, you know, if, if you're, if you're struggling with, you know, whether it's fertility or anything else, you're normally not reminded physically, you know, um, maybe, you know, I mean, definitely some, some conditions you are, but you know, it just definitely kind of made it a little bit more difficult to swallow. Right. Because if you're gaining weight for the greater good, that's one thing, but if you're, you're gaining weight and it's, you're not getting the result that you want, then it's probably doubly frustrating, right? Yeah. And, and actually, you know, me having to work out less, I work out for my mental and emotional health, right. you know, taking that away. It, it, I mean, there were months where I did not want to get out of bed and yeah. I, on, I, I own my own business. I manage my team and there were months that I was just like, mm, I'm delegating this to someone else. Like I'm peace out, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for a bit. And that wasn't helping either because then all the stress and anxiety of, oh, but what's going on at work? You know, am I missing something that like all the stress and anxiety was compounding. And I kind of had to go through that to realize like running away from this is not going to solve it, you know, and I just have to face it head on and, you know, 
just have faith that one day, you know, this, this all is happening for a reason. I don't know now, but hopefully I'll know in the future. So. Right. So you mentioned that Luca is also a very emotional person. How has he been through this whole thing? And does, had he had, has he had any times of depression or anything like that? It was really rocky. Yeah, I definitely going through this. I think that fertility struggles can make or break a couple, you yeah. know, unfortunately I have heard of cases is where it's broken them, you know, and that's mm-hmm. absolutely horrible. But um, I will say that Luca, as I mentioned, I mean, he's he's Italian, you know, mm-hmm. born and raised. So he just, he's very used to showing his emotions and he doesn't hold them back. And he just, his heart breaks for me, you know, that I have to go through this physically. But as far as arguing, yes, <laughs> there mm-hmm. definitely have been arguments. And I hate to admit this, but they're usually started on my side. You know, I think that my emotions have, they've gotten the best of me in times and I've snapped at him or I've said things that I regret. Gosh, bless his heart. He just, you know, he'll apologize even if he's not wrong, you know? Yeah. Um, So yeah, I, I think that there just have been moments where I've realized, I think one in one time in particular, I said something really mean and I instantly was like, oh my gosh, like that was not okay to say. And I, you know, did end up apologizing, but at the end of the day, um, I do think it's made us stronger. And I think that we just always remember like, you know, a, why we're doing this, but also B, if it doesn't happen, that's okay too. You know, I, I think he has made a really big effort to tell me, if we never have children, it's okay. Like mm-hmm. we are enough together. And, and that's been really amazing. That's so sweet. And you have your dog named Rigatoni, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and he literally He's is so like, cute. yeah. Oh gosh. I'm, I'm a crazy dog person. So yeah. I'm obsessed. <laughs> He's so cute. Um, so tell me how old are you right now? If you don't mind me asking. I just turned 31. 31. Okay. So what other things, like as you've been going through this journey, what other things were you trying to make it happen in terms of, you know, like supplements or I know on one of your videos, you said that they wanted you to increase your vitamin D. Can we talk a little bit about that? Like the other things you tried? Oh man, I'm about to bring out my entire cupboard full of supplements I am taking. So I, um, let me see. Okay. So pretty much from the very beginning, one thing that they told me to start eating was Brazil nuts and that's for the selenium. And so they said, you can take a selenium supplement, but being that I'm a fitness, you know, health and fitness professional, I prefer to take it in the natural form. So I eat um, three Brazil nuts a day. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they said vitamin D, they initially had me on a thousand units and then they upped me to 5,000 units. Okay. Um, I'm taking that and then, oh goodness, magnesium, zinc, um, vitamin C, obviously a prenatal. Um, Oh man, ubiquinol. I was taking CoQ10 at one point. I did switch it to ubiquinol, which is like the more active form, right? (laughs) And oh, I'm sure I'm missing some, but I think that, oh, and then like fish oil, of course. Okay. So those are the main supplements that I take, but I just want to say for anyone listening, this is based off of like my blood work and to not take anything that your doctors don't recommend. Cause for example, they put me on DHEA at one point and yeah. it resulted in a 14 day cycle. Mm, when yeah. I got 
period when I was supposed to be ovulating, I was pissed. I was like, what is going on? And they immediately were like, oh, do not take DHEA anymore. So there are supplements that can really mess with your cycle. So Right. Obviously, Uh, anybody listening, this is specific to you and everybody's different. So check with their doctors and all that. Absolutely. So aside from that, I will say the two big like fact-finding things I I set out on was to check my progesterone levels Mm -hmm. and to get tested for MTHFR. So progesterone, you know, it's the hormone that increases in your luteal phase after you ovulate, you need it for pregnancy. Um, They did put me on the progesterone suppositories during my IUIs, but they never tested my progesterone levels. Like normally you would do it at seven uh, days past ovulation Mm -hmm. and they never tested it. And so I remember it was in, I believe March, even during the time that we were taking a break from trying, I still went in for blood work because I, I have like an entire spreadsheet, an Excel sheet of all of my blood work levels, just because I want to track and see if something is changing and if that's the missing puzzle piece. So right. that's so smart. Yeah. I, it's really been a lifesaver because, oh my gosh, there's so many calls and so many numbers and just so many things. So I've tried Are to- Are you a you big know. like spreadsheet Excel person? Yeah. I, I feel am. like you're probably very organized with what you do you in know. your successful business. Oh man. I wish I was really organized. I would say I do okay, but there's definitely room for improvement, but I love, num- I'm a numbers person. Like math was always my favorite subject. So I think that it's just the numbers part of it. I really enjoy mm-hmm. Excel for that. <laughs> so anyways, so I did ask to check my progesterone while I was taking progesterone suppositories and it came back that my levels were 8.5, which is really low. And so the next month I doubled my dose, got it tested again, and it was 7.9. It was even lower. And I believe 10 is the threshold where the minimum it should be. Mm -hmm. So I told my RE and she said, well, your body isn't absorbing the progesterone suppository. So when you do IVF, you'll do shots and Mm -hmm. that will absorb. So that was another thing that I was kind of frustrated about. Like, why didn't we ever test my progesterone during the IUIs? Like obviously low progesterone, it wasn't going to work to begin with. So one lesson I learned, the other thing is that I, um, I asked, by the way, this was never brought up by my doctors, um, is to test for MTHFR. So first, I would actually like to ask you, do you have much experience or any thoughts on MTHFR? I actually don't. And I was going to ask you if you could explain it to me in your own words, because I've read about it a lot just on my Instagram with my community and stuff, but I don't know. Yeah. So tell me what you know. Yeah. So it's a little controversial, which is why I wanted to ask you. So pretty much MTHFR, it's a gene that we all have, but some of us have a mutation in that gene. Mm-hmm. And there are, oh goodness, like five different versions, but the there's two classifications. Um, there's going to be a lot of letters and numbers. So MTHFR, A1298C, that's the one I have. And then there's one, I believe it's like, oh, C577T, something like that. And that is the more serious one. And so what these are is that your body cannot process folic acid. Okay. So that's kind of important, you know, when you're trying to conceive and for a pregnancy. So for women that have this MTHFR gene mutation and their bodies can't process folic acid, it gets stored in our body as a toxin And, and it depletes your folate your natural folate levels. So folic acid is 
is the synthetic form of folate. Mm-hmm. So folate is like what you would find in spinach, you know, in actual mm-hmm. food, real food sources. And folate, don't quote me on this, but you know, it's, it's for um, neural tube defects to prevent those in babies and for just overall the baby's development. Right. It helps um, prevent major birth defects from what I believe. And I know it's given, I had to take it as a supplement. It's given to women who are pregnant or plan to become pregnant. Right, exactly. Okay. And so all prenatals have folic acid, okay. which is kind of a problem because they estimate 40% of women have this MTHFR defect. So 40% of women are taking in folate, uh, folic acid and their body cannot convert it into folate and it's being wow. stored as a toxin. Okay. And so there are specific prenatals that have folate or the scientific word for it, I believe is L-methylfolate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did, I was taking a prenatal with folic acid. So I looked at the label and I now um, take a prenatal that has folate in it. So okay. unfortunately there's actually folic acid in a lot of food that we eat. They're like, there's um, folic acid enriched uh, like grains and wheats, like uh, a pasta I ate the other night. I looked at the label after the fact and Folic acid is right there. So okay. you really, yeah, you have to check labels if um, you do have the MTHFR gene mutation. Um, I also have heard from several women, I'm, I'm in a few Facebook groups for mm-hmm. like you know, IVF and infertility. And the reason why I asked to test this is because I was in those groups and women were talking about having this you know, gene mutation and they would say, hey, my doctors refused to test me for it. I had to push back and wow. someone else saying like, they wouldn't test me for it. I had to go to a different doctor, et cetera. So it's, de- it's, I don't want to say that it's new, but in terms of researching it and the, the effects, um, nothing has been conclusive yet. So I think that that's one reason why some doctors are, are a bit um, resistant to it. Mm-hmm. And then, but I will say that in one of the MTHFR groups I'm in, um, one of the things, actually, I didn't mention this about other than switching to folate, um, it's also a blood clotting disorder. So you need to take baby aspirin and obviously for implantation, fertilization, and just conceiving overall blood flow to the uterus is really important. And so, um, there's just been countless women in those groups that's, that had multiple miscarriages and then they started, they switched to folate, they started taking baby aspirin and they conceived right away. So that is such a a good thing to know. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So people who are listening should look into that if they have sort of unexplained infertility or... Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And advocate for yourself, of course. Right. And and it's, you know, I never want to discount doctors and and, and not believe, you know, they're, you know, everything that they do. But I just feel like we're in a time where science, technology, you know, research, it's ever evolving, you know, things are changing. And, and so why not, you know, why not test and just know, and on that note, for anyone listening, why not switch to folate, you know, for your prenatals, it doesn't hurt, you know, so even if there's, for example, a girl that's in my community, she reached out to me, I told her about MTHFR, her doctor refused to test it. And she asked me, is there any harm in me just switching to folate um, anyways, mm-hmm. even though I don't know for sure. And, and I, I did some research to be sure. And no, there's absolutely, absolutely no harm in it. So, you know, okay. why not? Yeah, that's really good to know. 
Tell me where your head is at right now at this phase. To be honest, I'm hoping I don't get my period, <laughs> you know. Okay. I'm hoping that, you know, we, we are supposed to start IVF um, this next month or actually in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hoping that we don't have to, but if we do, I'm also okay with that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, that's definitely the plan as of now is to start IVF. Um, so, yeah. Okay. And do you, what do you what are you expecting if you do, I mean, hopefully you don't have to, like you said, but what are you expecting going into a possible IVF cycle? Like what are your expectations? Do you have any fears? Are you nervous at all about it? Or do you have? Yeah, I would say I'm nervous about the injections just because I don't love needles. I don't have a phobia or anything, but I have passed out before with needles. So yeah. What happened? Um, well, actually the very first, um, uh, trigger shot that Luca did, I was about to pass out and he had to like, you know, lift my legs up in the air. Um, yeah, I've gotten sick before. I've actually like vomited from giving blood before. So, you know, I, it's just, it's very much a mental game for me. So I have to really calm myself and distract myself. Uh So I have to be like looking at my phone or watching a video or something while it, while the injections are happening. So right. that's definitely the main thing that I am concerned about. Um, other than that, I am expecting to not be able to work out at all, which is kind of normal for me these days. But, um, you know, just a, an extended period of time, I'm not able to work out. Yeah. Um, I would say though that the one thing I'm excited about, obviously we don't know if it's going to work. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like I still kind of have my heads in the cloud of like, why wouldn't it work? (laughs) You know, but I am excited about the possibility that I only have one more two week wait. Yes. The two week wait absolutely kills me. Yeah. I just, and for those of you that are listening, the two week wait is the time after you ovulate Mm -hmm. to, you know, when you get your period or not, and you just kind of have to wait and see if, you know, it was successful. And it's been 20 months of that. You know, I'm sure that you have similar experience. You had four years, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. What was, how do you feel about the two week wait? Well, um, it's so complicated, right? It kind of gives me PTSD just going back there and thinking about it, but yeah, it's terrible. But there's also like the other two week wait, which is after you have the transfer, you know, the IVF transfer, and then you have to wait to have your pregnancy test. Right. And that for me was pretty hard because we had only, we only had one healthy embryo and it was the only, it was our only shot to do it. So, but thankfully we had planned a vacation Oh, good. It was like spring break time. So we went to Florida. So I was away for part of that time. And at that point, it's just like kind of out of your hands, right? I mean, there's nothing you can really do, but you've done everything you can. You just kind of try to relax. But, you know, I ended up getting really lucky and it did work for me on the one and only time that I tried it. But I know that the odds of that were so small and I'm so lucky. And I've said this before, but you know, I look at my son, I have a daughter who's almost 10 and she was conceived naturally with no problems, but my son is three and a half. And every single day I look at him and I'm like, I can't believe you're here. I still can't believe it. Like it's, <laughs> it's crazy. I don't think you ever get over it after going through the trauma of infertility, you know, oh, and tearing up. Yeah. 
it's, it's just wild. It's so it's, I've never been through something so hard and I know you're in the midst of it. And I have a couple more questions. One being, can you tell me, you know, for people who are listening, who are maybe feeling discouraged or not, you know, at kind of a crossroads, not sure what to do next. Do you have any advice or like words of wisdom that you've kind of picked up along the way? Cause I know you're so good at talking to other women and lifting them up. Yeah. I think that first kind of like you were saying, keep yourself busy. Yeah. I think pick up a hobby even, you know, like literally <laughs> intentionally find something to occupy your mind space because yeah. did you pick up so, any new hobbies? Um, oh man, I'm such a workaholic. I just tend to, you know, consume myself with work, but yeah. the hard part is that my work is largely on social media and right. it's easy to go down the zombie scroll cycle, you know? So I will say though, I, we did join a softball league, a co-ed t- league. I played in high school. So that was a lot of fun. Luca okay. absolutely hated it. <laughs> I loved it. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I just think that it's really important to occupy your time and not just, you know, sit there twiddling your thumbs because you will literally drive yourself crazy. Yeah. And then I think that just, oh, this is so hard, but try to let go of a timeline, you Mm -hmm. know, and just, you know, just be okay with it not happening when you thought it would happen. And I think that's so hard and kind of everyone comes to terms with that on their own, you know, kind of and in, in, in different ways. But yeah. And I think reaching out to others and actually talking to people about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this can be hard because not everyone has a supportive family. I've talked to women who they did not have a good reception from their family. They're definitely in the minority. So that's yeah. great. But you know, this is one thing that I do love social media for is that you can connect to so many different communities and you can find a support group for almost anything these days. So I know it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it really is. And so I definitely reach out to people on Instagram, reach out to me, <laughs> you know, or, or, or you, I'm sure as well. Um, Absolutely. so yeah. So I would say that those are probably the, the top things I would recommend. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this, Anna. It was so good to talk to you. You've also got really great stuff on your blog, you know, lifestyle stuff and recipes. And it's just a great place for, like we said, women helping other women. So yeah. thank you so much again for taking the time. And I'm rooting for you. I know everybody's rooting for you guys. And I would love if we could keep in touch and you'll let us know what happens and we'll, I'll be following you on social too to, to figure it out. But yes, you nothing but the best. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Hey again, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Anna Victoria's story. I know we're all rooting for her. Make sure that you guys check out her Instagram, which is at Anna Victoria. And speaking of Instagram, check out our Instagram, which is at Infertile AF Stories. Give it a follow and you guys will get a lot of extra content and photos, behind the scenes stuff too. And if you haven't already, also please make sure to pass along the podcast to anybody who might benefit from it. Thank you so much. Your support is so appreciated. I'll talk to you guys soon.